Yeah, come on now. Yeah. We are about to, I'll tell you what, over the last couple of weeks, we have had church and God has moved and I'm excited about today. I'm on coffee number two, possibly three, I've lost count, but I am ready for God to just meet us in this place Welcome, if you are new in our Noonan campus, LaGrange campus, or online, I I really do believe that God has something to say to each one of us today. You know, we've been in this series, Yes and Amen, for a couple of weeks now, about God's promises, how he is a promise maker, he is a promise keeper. And and, and I love what he is saying and, and what he has said these last couple of weeks, I make promises, I keep promises. And today, it is no different. God promises to be your provider. And we are going to look at that in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 through 19. In fact, I I don't really even want to, I just want to kind of jump there. Because I believe what he says is so powerful. I mean, you know, if you think about it, we all have had needs. We have had needs that need to be met. We have needs that that God, that we're praying, God, meet my need. And, And here's what is cool is he does each and every time. And so today, like I said, we're in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 through 19. It's the story of Abraham. The story of Abraham having to go up a mountain to sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac. It's a story of God's provision. It's a story of obedience. And just to set up the story, here's the thing, is that Abraham is literally 100 years old when he has his first child. Let that sink in. His wife, Sarah, is 90. Uh-uh. I was, uh, I'm about to show my age. I was 34 when we had our third one. Oh, my. Oh, my. But Abraham is 100. Sarah is 90. God has promised them a son. They named him Isaac. And so we're going to go there today. But before we do, I just want to bow our heads, close our eyes. I just want to go to the Father in prayer and pray over this time. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just move in this place. I pray that you would move at the LaGrange campus and online. I pray that you would just speak. So Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for what you are doing in this place. God, you are good. Amen. Here we go. Genesis 22, verse 1 through 19. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. God said, take your son, your one and only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. 
On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? (laughs) Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But then the angel of the Lord called out to heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes up and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns, or by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offsprings as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men. And they rose and went to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Oh, God is good. God is a provider. I love this story. You see, God was not testing Abraham to see him fail. He was testing him to see him grow in his obedience and in his faith. And that's like for us. God does not test you to see you fail and crumble. God tests you to show you his love His mercy and His grace. I remember a time of testing for my wife and I. If you know anything about my story, you know that when we got married, we were flat broke. And and when I mean broke, we literally, I think we lived in an apartment the size of this carpet. I am not kidding. But we were so broke, we couldn't afford 99 cent ramen noodles. And, 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 and that lasted for some time. 
And I, I, remember, I remember one day, very specific, and, and Kendi even helped me recall this to greater detail the other day. I, I remember a time when, when and Kendi tells this story so much better than I do. I remember a time when she had literally pulled into a gas station on fumes. Into the gas station on fumes. The car would not go any further. And I remember her telling the story and saying, you know, I, I, I just, I, I looked in my wallet, there was no money. <laughs> I knew our credit cards were maxed. I knew I couldn't write a check. I just, I looked up and I said, God, I need gas. What she didn't know is about 30 minutes before that, someone had walked into my office and handed me an envelope and just said, God said you needed this. It was a significant amount of cash. And as I picked up the phone to tell my bride, hey, God provided, God provided food for us for the next week. God provided... God provided, she goes, fantastic, I need you to get to the gas station and give me some of that cash. But that's what God does. He provides in his timing, in his perfect timing. She was calling out God provide, not knowing that he already had. Not knowing that he already had. I can only imagine Abraham's 50-mile journey up a mountain and, 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 and knowing that he was taking his one and only child, right? His one and only. Knowing that he had placed the wood to be used for the burnt offering on his son's back. Walking up this 50-mile road, climbing this mountain, Going, huh, what am I going to do? But God, you, you promised this boy to me. You promised him, God. And now I have, I, I have to do what? Well, I can imagine the conversation he's having with God. And, and, and what's amazing is, is if you look in the Bible, and, 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 and I read it there, and it's around verse 10 and 11, I think. And, and here's the thing, is that, he does it with such grace and humility, right? I mean, he didn't bring along his two workers up the mountain. I don't, I don't you know, he didn't bring them along because I don't think he wanted them to see what was about to take place. I don't think he wanted them to try and talk him out of it. I, I don't think, I think he just said, you know what, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to leave you guys here. This needs to be my son and I. We'll come back. We'll come back. But he did it in such grace and humility. He just kept climbing and he kept climbing in obedience. But you see, I think it's important to realize that this obedience didn't just come. It didn't just go 
wham, there you go, Abraham, you're obedient. This obedience was built over time. This obedience was ingrained in Abraham. It was poured out. I mean, he literally had been obedient for so long. You see, sometimes I I think we get upset when we're like, God, I just don't know. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know. I mean, come on now. You're, You're the God of everything. You should do it right away, right? And sometimes we think our circumstances are like, why now? Because God's trying to build you up. And not every circumstance is about you. Sometimes it's about showing someone else who God is and who he loves. So don't expect obedience to just come. God didn't ask Abraham to f- perform human sacrifice because he approved of it. I think that's very something, I think that's something we all need to look at, okay? He didn't ask him, oh, hey, go, I'm gonna, I, I approve of human, no, 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 no. Leviticus 20, and, and God's word doesn't go against his word. Do you get what I'm saying there? One part of his word's not gonna go against the other part. Leviticus 20 says he disapproves of it. That's for pagans, okay? That's for pagans. But he asked Abraham, I need you to sacrifice your one and only. And here's why. He needed him to sacrifice his one and only in his heart. To show that he loved God more than anything. More than anything. That he loved God more than his long and promised awaited son. Can you imagine that? As I was reading that story, my three kids came across my mind. My 18-year-old, I became a dad and a husband all in one day. And greatest blessing to ever take place. If you don't know that story, yes. My wife had a child before we got married. And my 18-year-old, I became a dad, and I remember looking at him that day going, wow, how cool is this? I not only just got, like, the love of my life, but I got this little four-year-old rocket ship. And Isaiah at the time was like, it's a lot like Briggs now. But I'm like, whoa, no, I'm not going to play. What, God, what? You mean I have to sacrifice him in my heart? Whoa. I've been a lot, I've been through a lot with, with that boy. A lot. Dear Jesus, a lot. A lot. But I wouldn't trade it for the world. But then my daughter came to my mind, my princess. My baby girl. What? I got to put her on the altar? 
And then my four-year-old Tasmanian bunny called Briggs. Hmm. Spent a whole day with him yesterday. I had to pass him off to Uncle Trevor. I was like, you got to handle him. <laughs> I'm going to go. I got to go have me time. But my little four-year-old boy looked at me last night. I love you, Daddy. What? Can you imagine what Abraham was going through? And the obedience it took, the obedience it took to place him on the altar. This difficult experience was used to strengthen Abraham. It was used to strengthen his commitment to obey and and it was used to prove God's ability to provide. That's difficult experience. Sometimes God allows you to go through a difficult experience because he wants to show you he will provide. He wants to show you that in his timing, through his power, he'll provide for you. That's why we go through difficult experiences. That's why I went through brokenness financially. And he still provides to this day. Amen. And so, yeah, I'm passionate. I'm passionate about who God is. I'm passionate. It's difficult. It's so difficult sometimes to let go of what we deeply love. I mean, what's more proper than loving your kids, right? It's difficult to let them go. It has been difficult to let my, 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 my 18-year-old go. It's difficult. There are times when I, I mean, and, and, and I want to go and I'm just like, okay, let me take care of this for you. But God's saying, hey, if you take care of this for him right now, I can't take care of him later. Will you please step back and let me do my job? I know I'm not the only parent that that touches a nerve with. Because I think sometimes as parents, we want to rush in. Ooh, I got you. You're okay. You're okay. Mommy, daddy got you. When God's saying, are you going to let me have them? You going to let me have my child, please? I need to teach them a lesson. And it's hard when you got a girl. Ooh, daddy was fired up the other day. She came home, tears in her eyes. Mmm, daddy, I, I was not in my right mind. You hurt my baby girl. I got on the phone. <laughs> I'm so thankful that principal didn't answer. Praise Jesus. Because <laughs> he knows I know. <laughs> no, I'm just glad. I'm so glad because here's what God showed me. I've got your baby girl. Will you let me have her? And on her own, she realized some things. And she realized the situation she put herself in on her own. And I didn't have to step in and save her because God provided for her. 
it's hard to give up some things we really love. But let me ask you this question. This message is real personal for me. So I'm going to try and make it real personal for all of you because I think that's fair. What is God asking you to give up that you're withholding? What is God asking you to let him have? Let me rephrase the question. What are you withholding from God? Are you withholding a spouse? Are you withholding your spouse? Are you saying, no, I can change him. I can change him. It's, no, God, I can change him. Or are you giving him up or her up? Are you withholding your kids? Are you withholding your finances? Your job? Your happiness? Your time? What are you withholding? What are you withholding that's keeping you from going all in and saying, God, you've got everything. Here you go. You see, we have to trust Him and Him alone to provide. Now, some of you may say, and that's great, Cam. I know I got to trust him, but how? If you don't hear me say anything, hear me say this. You start trusting him by getting to know who he is. Getting to know who he is, getting to know his character. How do you get to know his character? You get to know the names of God. The names of God are so much more than just a name. You see, in the Hebrew culture, the names names that were given represented someone's character. Represented who they were. Represented everything about them. The name Yahweh. The name Yahweh should give you goosebumps when you say it. The name Yahweh was so sacred that it actually they stopped speaking it for a time in the Hebrew culture because they thought so highly of it because it was powerful. It was everything. Yahweh means Lord. He is the Lord of everything. You also have the name El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. God Almighty. Jehovah Barah, Creator. He created the heavens and the earth. 
He created the land and the sea. He created the rivers and the lakes. He created you and he created me. He is creator of everything. Oh, he's creator. Jehovah Eli, your God. He's your God. He's your God. He's not just some thing that sits high in the sky looking down at us. He's your God. He's personal. He should be personal. He wants to be personal. He's yours. Jehovah Hamalek, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King who reigns over every land, every country, whether they want to believe it or not. He's the king over the U.S. He's the king over the world. When all, it says all knees shall bow because he is king. Come on. If that doesn't get you excited, come on. He's the king. Oh. Hmm. Jehovah Hushua, the Lord who saves He's the Lord who saved me. He's the Lord who saved me. He saved me from my junk. He saved me from my sin. And he's the Lord that will save you. If you allow him to. If you say, God, save me. Jehovah Nissi, he is my banner. He goes before me. He goes before you at work. He goes before you in your family. He goes before you at your school. He goes before you with your wife, with your husband, with your kids. You see, the banner used to proclaim who is arriving. And he is your banner. He is saying, hey, Cameron, you are coming in. Come on. This is Cameron. This is my child. This is the one I love. He is your banner. Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd. Guess what? He'll come after just you. He'll come after just you. He'll come after just one. He reaches his hand down. He says, come on, I've got you. I've got you. You are mine. I'm coming after you. He's your shepherd. You have Jehovah Rophe, the Lord who heals. He's the Lord who heals. He heals cancer. He heals marriages. He heals sickness. He heals addiction. Whether we like the way he healed it or not. He heals addiction. Jehovah Uzi, my strength. The last year and a half, I have leaned into this more than you will ever know. When my, when my baby brother passed at 18, I do believe God healed him of his addiction. 
but I also believe he has given me the strength and he has given my family the strength to get through. And finally, Jehovah Jireh, he is your provider. He provides all your needs. It is because of those names that Paul talks about and is able to say Philippians 4, 6. It's because of those names. You don't have to be anxious about anything, but with everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Here's what that means. It means he has the power to change any situation. He loves you enough to hold you in it. And he has the wisdom to know what to do. All we have to do is come to him with humility and praise. Humility and praise. I'll tell you what, one of my favorite things over the last several weeks is just watching people praise him. Watching this church praise him with arms raised high saying, God, you are the Lord of Lords. You're the King of Kings. Woo! I'm going to get excited. And because of all that, we can say Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and his glory. There have been several times where I'm like, are you really providing my needs, God? Hmm. Because it is not in my timing. And he will quickly turn me back to, it's in my timing, in my plan, I'll provide He may let you walk a mountain so that he can give you your character. He can grow your character. He can grow you up so that he can say, hey, here, look, look at what you did. Look at what I did. Look, look, look. I'm presenting you. Oh, look, look at the life you, look at the life you, you changed because, because you put me first. Look at how you, you handled this situation. Guess what? Guess what? You're because you're, you're showing encouragement to that, to that guy right over there who needs it right now. He's walking. And because of how you handled something, guess what? Guess what? His life's going to be changed. Oh. Mm. He wants you to come to him with every need you have. He wants you to come to him with everything you have. The thing he's asking of you is, do you love me? Do you love me enough to sacrifice your kiddo? Do you love me enough to sacrifice your job? 
Do you love me enough to sacrifice your money? Do you love me? Do you love me? I mean, don't get me wrong. He, he, he wants to provide for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to pour out favor on you. I mean, that's the God he is. He wants, he just wants to just, the cup runneth over. He just wants your love. He wants to know that he's the only thing you worship. That he's the only thing you love. That he's your everything and anything. So do you love him like that? Do you love him like that? As we close, I think it's important to notice the the parallel between the ram offered on the altar as a substitute for Isaac and Christ offered on the cross as a substitute for you and for me. You see, God provided a substitute for Isaac for Abraham's one and only. He didn't provide a substitute for God's one and only, for Jesus. Instead, he provided Jesus as a substitute for all of his other children. Can you imagine if Jesus wouldn't have died on the cross? The rest of humanity would not have survived. The rest of humanity wouldn't have hope. But Jesus died on the cross as a substitute so that all of us could have life and have life abundantly. Do you love him? That's the question of the day. Do you love him? Do you love him with a love so deep? That in the midst of sacrifice, your obedience to him does not waver. Your obedience to him remains strong like Abraham. Do you love him like that? That is a question that I have had to ask myself a lot. I've had to ask myself, do I really love him like that? Do I love him enough to put Isaiah? On the altar. Do I love him enough to put my baby girl on the altar? Do I love him enough to put 
Briggy boy on the altar. Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. Because I want you to know today, He is my God. He is my provider. He is everything. And if we'll love Him like that, imagine the change we would see in this world. Imagine the change we would see if we love, if we love God so much that we're willing to place everything else on the altar, everything else in our hearts to be sacrificed. Imagine what God would do in this city. Imagine what God would do in this state when people look at you and say, oh man, I know you. You run your business like Jesus would. You live like Jesus. Oh, I, I know you. You teach like Jesus. Like you, you, you live like he's the most important thing in your world. I want to live. I want that. I don't need anything else. I just want, I want what you have. Oh. We would see something incredible happen. Something powerful across this whole city. In LaGrange. Across the world. 